Conseguido reventar este planeta Hemos hipotecado el calendario Si supiera que llevarme haría las maletas Esperar fumando un piti cósmico Y escuchando esta canción Nos queda poco tiempo según los pronósticos Luchamos por la autoextinción Las fotos de la tierra en Trip Advisor son mentiras Se ha encargado el verde y el azul, ahora es ceniza La sirenita son fatting bajo el mar Para reciclar, ves bolsa y ves botella de calor y sequía de valores, lluvia de egoísmo provocando inundaciones. Venid a brindar con cianuro gluten free, que te den por culo en alguien una bici sin simpatía. Somos muchos y muy locos, nos importa toda una mierda. Recomiendo no invadirnos, porque esto es la puta tierra. Esto es la puta tierra, hermano, esto es la puta tierra. Vertedero de miseria. De un humano, por ejemplo Que su mejor amigo sea un perro Votamos asesinos y cerramos las fronteras Más lejos están, menos me afectan sus penas Sonrisas postizas toman prosas El SIDA es un activo para farmacéuticas Billetes de Interrail Sideral Hacia un planeta horrible donde no se trata mal Somos muchos y muy locos Nos importa toda una mierda Recomiendo no invadirnos porque esto es la puta tierra, esto es la puta tierra, hermano, esto es la puta tierra, vertedero de miserias, esto es la puta tierra, esto es la puta tierra, hermano, esto es la puta tierra, vertedero de miserias, esto es la puta tierra. El ser humano es extraordinario, 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 el ser humano es extraordinario. Hello everyone, you are listening to SRM 107.5 FM on RTV Maastricht. My name is Clemence, I'm from Master for Climate, and I'm here with Yasmine. Hi Yasmine. Hey, nice to be here. Nice. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself, and you're also part of Master for Climate, so about the association? Yeah, sure. So, I am Yasmine. Um, I am a second year student. I'm studying uh, science at the university. Um, and yeah, I joined Masters for Climate at the start of this year. Um, I took over for um, the previous protest coordinator. I think he was on this channel before, uh, Francesco. Um, so yeah, Masters for Climate, it's the student climate organization within Maastricht. So there's a load of different climate organizations and um, they all work on different things. Right. But this one is uh, just for students and we have so many different working groups. So yeah, I organize the big protests and the marches, but then there's also people who organize smaller community events. There's people who um, connect with uh, other climate organizations internationally. There's people who organize lecture series. Um, so yeah, um, that's a bit about what we do. Um, and today I'm here to talk to you about uh, the COP, um, right. which happened. The COP26 uh, that happened in November in Glasgow, right? Yes, exactly. Um, from the 31st of October to the 12th of November. So what can you tell us about it? Yeah, so I thought I could just do like a quick introduction about what it was. So, you know, I guess most people already know uh, generally what the COP is, but it stands for Conference of Parties. And it's a massive annual UN conference that happens where they get representatives from all over the world, um, including citizens and also business people, uh, which is a bit controversial, but we'll talk a bit more about that later. Um, yeah, and it's the real opportunity to talk about uh, new climate targets that they're going to set for the year. Um, so yeah, and it's called the 26th one. So that means that, yeah, it is 26 so it was less of a big deal during like the first and second ones but obviously in recent times with climate change becoming such a big issue it has uh, become uh yeah a point of discussion and protest for sure that's nice um okay well before we go on to the cop 26 into more detail 
uh, we'll be listening to the song I Think I Like When It Rains by Willis. When it rains. So this was I Think I Like When It Rains by Willis. Um, so Yasmine, you just talked to us a little bit about COP26 and what it was for the people that didn't necessarily know about it. Um, but do you think you could go a little bit more in detail as to what happened this COP26 in comparison to the other COPs? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing to note is that this COP 
was seen as a pivotal moment. There were so many people that were looking forward to it. Well, honestly, for like more than a year, because this one was delayed by a year because of COVID. Right. Um, and then after that, uh, people had been saying the COP, that's when it's going to change because the IPCC report was released before it. Um, so that's the Intercontinental, Intercontinental Governmental Panel on Climate Change. So it's all of the UN scientists. They come to their big consensus about um, yeah, climate change and what's happening with it. And it's usually very conservative, you can imagine, because just, you know, so many different opinions, so many different scientists, so they really need to like undershoot what they're saying. But this IPCC report was really quite scary because they, you know, they made some pretty extreme statements, which we kind of already all know, but for the IPCC report to confirm them. Especially in um, comparison with the last ones that came out there, it was a lot more aggressive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So like before the the science was there, but people could always point to it and they'd be like, oh, but they said it in these confidence intervals and, you know, some people don't believe it. But this one was like, it's undeniable. It's caused by humans. And that if we don't do something about it, like exactly now, that so many people are going to die and suffer. So people were like, okay, that means that the politicians need to wake up and do something. And they were looking at COP26 to do this. Um, And yeah, so it didn't really do that. It's, you know, things could have gone better. They could have also gone worse. Um, So one of the most important things was that uh, in COP21, Uh, they came up with the Paris Agreement. Everybody knows about the Paris Agreement, but that was the first big time that all of the leaders at the COP had actually made a global agreement and had decided to try and keep it below 1.5 degrees. That was brilliant. Now, the only problem was that none of them actually stuck to that. And they never, like, none of the countries met their targets to keep under the 1.5 degrees. So people were like, okay, this is the time we're not only going to reinvent the Paris Agreement, but we need to set even stronger targets. Because, yeah, at this point, you know, it's, it is such a pivotal moment that if we get above that 1.5 degree mark, um, that you start to have these, you know, loop effects where things can only get worse and it t- starts to, like, tumble down. Um, and of course, it's just a threshold with so much many more people suffering. Um, so COP26, uh, we were hoping to create some of those new things. And the agreement, it included some things in it, but really it wasn't as um, strong as we would have liked it to be. And also most of the policies, again, are just being self-policed by the countries in the first place. And we saw how that worked out with the uh, Paris Agreement that actually nobody ended up sticking to it then in the end. Can I just ask you, how much warming have we had uh, since the Paris Agreement? Do you know more or less? Um, I'm not sure about like the exact degrees that we've had um, since the Paris Agreement, but people were saying um, that if we continue on our trajectory that we have at the minute, and this is with our new Paris Agreement policies, right. that by uh, 2100, uh, uh, basically that we would hit four degrees of warming. And four Lovely. degrees of warming is so catastrophic that it would like literally be an apocalypse at that point. So many countries would be underwater. We would have constant um, you know, weather events. Farming would be like unperceivable from how it is at the minute because there would be so many droughts so many famines in so many different places like the entire global climate would change to such a degree that the world would be unrecognizable at that point so four degrees is really undoable um 1.5 degrees would be just about okay and after the uh new agreements that were set at this cop uh which you know we've been promised but we don't know if they'll actually happen Uh, A lot of the politicians were saying that they're aiming back for that 1.5 degree mark. But at this point, because we didn't stick to the agreements from the Paris Agreement, uh, most UN scientists are agreeing that the lowest we can actually aim for is 2.4 degrees, which unfortunately still does involve a lot of suffering, especially for those that have contributed least to the climate crisis to begin with. And they're going to be hit the hardest. But at this point, it's more about we can't avoid a catastrophe, to be honest, not to bring, not to be completely depressing on the radio channel. But what we can do, and it is quite motivating, is we can, you know, stop as many billions of people from having to suffer as are going to have to suffer. And also, um, we can talk about it a bit later as well, whenever we get into, you know, the exact pledges and everything that were made 
during the COP, but they have now started to recognize this fact that, you know, people are already suffering. Like we've all seen the news about the wildfires that have happened right here in Maastricht, like the mass, you know, the it, floods, it flooded. Yeah, exactly. Last year, I remember. Yeah. So um, these are all events which have been made extremely more likely by climate change. Um, so, yeah, the world can't sleep on this anymore. And they realize that we also need to put in prevention measures uh, for whenever bad things happen, as well as, you know, phasing out fossil fuels. Yeah, that's all really important. It's really devastating, especially seeing um, how far we've gotten with only, I don't know how much warming we've had, but below 1.5 degree. It's already, especially for African countries or countries near the equator, it's already getting really, really intense and we're only on the way to make it worse. So that's definitely not great. Okay, well, before we continue, we will be listening to Sunday Best by Surfaces. challenge all you gotta do is leave it better than you found it it's gonna get difficult to stand but hold your balance i just say whatever cause there is no way you're bound everyone falls down sometimes but you just gotta know it'll all be fine it's okay it's okay This was Sunday Best by Surfaces. Uh, now to get back to COP26, Yasmin, if you wouldn't mind talking to us about the results of the COP26, what happened in the end? Sure. Well, I really hope the last song was able to lift everyone's spirits a little bit because <laughs> unfortunately we're going back into uh, yeah the drudgery that was COP26. Many people, in fact, are calling it Flop26. Um, <laughs> so, but it, I mean, there were positives as well. So we'll, we'll talk about those as well. So yeah, as I said, um, many of the politicians are speaking in their usual politician way, saying it's keeping it below 1.5 uh, degrees of warming. But in fact, that's not true. The current measures are going to keep it to about 2.5 degrees of warming. Um, one of the things which was, um, again, double-sided, good and bad, uh, that was mentioned in the draft, is they finally me mentioned fossil fuels specifically in the draft. So this is uh, in the past been, you know, vetoed by uh, China and they, believe it or not, had never specifically mentioned phasing out the fossil fuel industry and coal specifically in one of these COPs before, but they did. So in this one, they said that uh, we were going to uh, make a global commitment to phase down uh, coal by, I think it was 2050. 
Um, now, this is pretty good, but they were originally opting for phase out, which of course would have been a lot more uh, clear cut um, and a lot stronger. But now phase down, um, it leaves a lot of room for interpretation, of course. And yeah. I mean, that's what the politicians want. If the whole thing is going to be self-policed, then if they give themselves as much leniency as possible so that, you know, they reduce the coal production uh, by 2% and they're like, oh, look at us. Phase down. Fuck, yeah, phase <laughs> down. We did it. But it's still progress um, because they managed to get something about coal production into the draft. Um, yeah, then we have the scandal about the uh, funding that was meant to be provided for developing countries. So during the last uh, COP, uh, the one before this, uh, they had made massive um, agreements to give $100 billion, I think, um, from developed countries to developing countries to help right. with uh, climate change and like sustainable technologies, yeah, yeah development. That, yeah. Exactly. Well, basically, they didn't do that. Um, some of the biggest, um, yeah, liars really uh, <laughs> during that were the US and the UK, who promised these massive amounts, and then, yeah, they they the amount of funding that they gave was actually overtaken by the amount that said like Germany had given and if you think about the amount of money that the US has compared to Germany Insane. and Germany was giving more money um yeah it was it was quite the failure and of course all of these developing nations they felt you know betrayed by this because the climate uh, crisis in the first place is mostly being uh, you know produced by the industry that these developed nations have caused in order to gain their wealth Absolutely. and then they won't even give up their wealth to help these developing nations but they uh, doubled down on that agreement. They mentioned it. They didn't uh, say sorry, I don't think. They didn't, <laughs> um, you know, have any problem with the fact that they missed it the first time, but they said, let's try again. So, um, yeah, now they have uh, new pledges and it was quite difficult to track exactly the amount because basically each individual uh, country had pledged a different amount. Um, but yeah, the new estimation, uh, for example, by the UK government was that they want to try and reach back up to the 100 billion uh, level a year uh, by 2023. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Um, some of these nations are quite disappointed because they're like hey you promised us that in 2009 and now you're saying it's going to happen in 2003 and you haven't even raised the amount that you're going to give us but at the same time they have also specifically mentioned now um giving some money which is allocated to green technologies and green development but as i said some to defenses against what's going to happen with climate change so um you know that could look like stuff like um building dikes or sea defenses in bangladesh to stop you know areas of there going underwater um so yeah again positives and negatives um then there was deforestation uh which yeah they made some pledges to reduce that um to zero by 2030 in some of the biggest uh, countries that have deforestation in them accounting for about 85 percent of the forests again see all of these things they like sound pretty good but with it's with zero accountability and they promised to do this last cop again they didn't mention that they promised to do it last cop but they said let's try again and look how good we are uh, coming up with these new deals and there was no like guarantee that they would do it this time they just kind of said it again and we're like yep yeah pretty again. much the only guarantee is that they have more funding now to the project of stopping deforestation but at the same time, as I said, like that policy as well, it's self-policed by the countries that have Absolutely. said that they're going to do it. So, you know, who's going to hold them accountable? Um, yeah. And then um, we, yeah, we also just had other things during the event. Um, like there was so much criticism um, from, you know, activists or citizens who were there about the number of business people that were there. So the number of business representatives that were actually present at COP26 this time so vastly outnumbered the number of country representatives um, that were there, which is just quite shocking because, you know, it's it's meant to be unbiased, like uh, an agreement with like countries to try and, you know, stop the worst cases of climate change. But of course, these businesses which have uh, produced the problem in many ways to begin with and are, you know, constantly known to be lobbying these governments to tell them to do certain things were right there whispering in their ear the whole time. So, yeah, they they uh, pledged 130 trillion to clean tech between them. Wow. All the businesses. Yeah, it's quite a lot. But um, people are 
kind of annoyed about that because they feel like it's greenwashing. They feel like the green technologies that they invest into aren't going to be very good. And they feel like at the end of the day, it's it's funding which could be going towards other projects like all of these projects which I mentioned, which have failed before. And also it's just an excuse for the businesses to... Um, you know, put themselves on the table of climate change talks again, Absolutely. which many people are like, at this point, get them out of here. Like they have, you know, created lies about the climate for so many years now, which have got us in the mess that we're in at the, at the moment now. And they're still present. And then, yeah, just a little, little note from uh, our own government here in uh, the Netherlands. So Mark, um, he also made a deal with the aviation industry um, which was really highly criticized. So, you know, whenever you go to um, like book a plane somewhere and they're like, you, you've got this wee take box and you're like, make it CO2 neutral. He basically pledged a loads of money. I'm simplifying a bit, <laughs> but he pledged a load of money to uh, support the avian, uh, aviation industry in becoming carbon okay. neutral. Um, but yeah, with all of these schemes that they have with planting a tree for every time that you go on a flight, uh, people don't believe that it's true carbon neutrality and that we need to be reducing flights and not pouring Absolutely. more money into the aviation industry. So people weren't too happy about that. Um, yeah, and then also originally uh, there was this great agreement which uh, many of the developed nations had to um, stop putting public funding, so taxpayers' money, into foreign investments for fossil fuels. So that's whenever they can they can get their own numbers down and they're like, oh, look how green we are. We're not doing coal anymore. But then secretly they're funneling taxpayer money into making a coal plant in, you know, some other country, oftentimes an underdeveloped country with, you know, like an unstable government so that they can reap the rewards and stuff like that. But... Many of the countries at COP, they decided uh, that it was time to cut this out. Uh, but yeah, Russo wasn't so sure about this, so he didn't want to sign it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm going to talk a bit more about the positives after our next song. But um, he did eventually concede then and finally sign that agreement to stop tax uh, taxing uh, people to put the money into um, okay. fossil fuel companies abroad. So some positives, some negatives, um, but definitely there's a lot of pressure still to be put on the governments. Absolutely. I think after all these negatives, we're ready for some positive energy and we can start maybe by the song Loverboy by AWOL.
And we are back. This was Lover Boy by AWOL. So now that we've covered the majority of the failures of COP26, Jasmine, could you tell us about the positives of COP26 to wrap it up? Okay, you're looking for a bit of positivity uh, about climate change. We'll, uh, we'll see what we can say. <laughs> it might not be as much as the list of negatives. Um, but yeah, I mean, we can start with this Rusa thing. So the fact that he wasn't going to sign this, he didn't really have um, any idea of budging on it. Um, but yeah, I don't know if most of the listeners know, but there was this massive protest in Amsterdam uh, in the middle of the COP whenever it happened. Uh, I think it was on the 5th of November. Yes, I think so as well. And um, yeah, so basically it was after that protest, which a lot of it was based around this specific uh, bill that he was refusing to sign, he made a convenient little U-turn on it um, where he decided in the end, actually, I think it would be better if I did sign this. Um, so yeah, many people attribute the fact that, you know, the massive protest happened. It was specifically targeted That's at this amazing. bill and then he made a turn on it. And Masters uh, for Climate that. participated in that protest. Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah. So we didn't do our own protest in uh, Maastricht because we thought it would have more of an impact if everyone came down. But we did. We organized some buses um, and we ended up bringing our own little block down yeah. uh, to the protest. But yeah, it, it was really amazing. There were so many people there. Um, it was divided into all these different blocks. You know, so many people believing in so many different things uh, in terms of climate change, but everybody coming together in you know, support of this one action and on specific policies like that, you know, one specific policy, which kind of all 40,000 people could agree, probably isn't a positive thing. It's amazing that if you target something like that and, you know, something you show him done. that there's 40,000 people in uh, Amsterdam that are shouting at him and all the other politicians um, to change it, that actually it can have a change. So, yeah, I found that really hopeful because it showed that, um Although change can often feel slow with all of these things, that actually, yeah, it does It does happen. Even if they don't attribute it to you, like there's no way that he made that U-turn without the fact that we had so many people in the streets in Amsterdam then. That's and then of really course, nice. um, the demonstration was even better in Glasgow. So I think there was an estimated like 100,000 people wow. there. Yeah. That's a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> pretty big, pretty big. Um, but yeah, people from all over the world, because, you know, um, it, it was it was the global meeting. So so many people, um, if they could during COVID and everything, flew over. Um, you know, big names like Greta, of course, yeah. uh, leading some of the strikes and the protests. Um, but yeah, it was amazing to see the energy that they had. You know, the youth representative uh, representation within those uh, strikes and protests and. Um, the amount of scrutiny that they had, you know, so all of these uh, previous things that I mentioned, like the fact that they didn't follow through on the pledge for uh, developing countries, the fact that they didn't follow through on the deforestation, the fact that they'd missed most of their climate targets, they picked up on every single one of these policy points, uh, these activists, and they had specific targeted uh, protests and actions towards the people, uh, you know, that were at fault. So it's nice to see that you know, so many people are waking up and are holding people accountable. That's which what it, we need. Yes, exactly. Because yeah. at the end of the day, if the countries are going to set it that they're self-policing again, or that, you know, the only people that they're accountable to are uh, themselves, but none of them follow through. So what's even the point? Then really the people who need to be holding the governments accountable are, yeah, like us on the streets. Um, so I think you could really see motivation for people you know clicking on to that and realizing that although it shouldn't be our responsibility uh, to have to scrutinize over every single policy that the government does uh, that you know there should be some kind of trust uh, system in place that if they say they're going to do something that they will um but yeah people have had enough yeah clearly very clearly but that's that's honestly refreshing to hear that at least there are people out here doing something um, and the protest in Amsterdam, I remember, was really, really nice as well. Um, okay, and now we can then move on to Power to the People, a song by John Lennon, before closing.
Okay, so this was Power to the People by John Lennon. So, Yasmin, you've told us a lot about COP. At this point, we've heard about the negatives, the positives, the ups, the downs, the diagonals, everything. But what we haven't heard is your own opinion on COP. So what are your insights on what happened in November and how you feel about it as a young activist now? Yeah, sure. So at the minute, I think we're at a new stage of climate politics. Because a couple of years ago, not even that many, you know, I'd say if you look back as many, like even five years ago, definitely 10, the running line for politicians and for climate debate would be to debate whether climate change even exists, which right. is extremely frustrating because <laughs> we've known it for many, many years. Or at least decades, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But still somehow they managed to, well, I say somehow, but I mean, obviously the funding was there from companies like Exxon and Shell to like specifically and malici maliciously spin the lies that climate change might or might not be true. But yeah, 10 years ago, five years ago, uh, that would be the discourse, you know, um, you would have people coming up with climate policies, but a lot of time that would be spent in climate media, climate politics would be spent by the one denier. The one person who would stand up and be like, oh, but, you know, how do we know it's uh, human caused? Um, and then, you know, even whenever you have that it's human caused, they're like, oh, but, you know, how do you know about the 1.5 degrees? Is it really going to be that bad? Um, and just, you know, a, a lack of motivation to actually talk about real policies and just to sort of talk about climate change and then try to leave it there. But since, uh, you know, probably in like 2019, Uh, whenever the, you know, uh, activist movement was like reignited, obviously with Greta and stuff, but, you know, the activist movement can't be attributed just to her because there were so many thousands of people. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that did it before. And also, you know, so many people who didn't have the same layers of privilege as her to, you know, become the face of the movement who were involved uh, with creating such a large spark in 2019. But anyway, after it really became a youth movement and in some ways it became very trendy for people to uh, focus on climate change and to, you know, spread the facts and stuff. I feel like at this point, at least the climate movement has moved past the point of climate change not existing. That might sm sound small and it's a lot smaller than where we should be at the minute. But I find it quite refreshing that at least now we can have discussions about politics. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially considering the mediatization. Like it may sound small, but it w there was so much working against it that just passing forward to the point where we're not questioning climate change, but actually trying to fight and do something about it is really nice. And yeah, it's true that the youth movement is really refreshing. And I think it's definitely the younger generations that are going to be the most vocal and the most active in this yeah yeah for sure I, i totally agree with you um and you're right whenever you look at it like, like that you know it was young people really who don't don't even have voting rights a lot of them uh who obviously don't have you know trillions of uh dollars or pounds or uh euros uh to be able to spend on um disinformation campaigns yeah the fact that those people were able to create such a large uh power people people to the power movement. <laughs> um you know that is incredible and we've managed to come really far with it but now since then everybody uh most of the politicians and everything and the public discourse as well everybody agrees that climate change is a problem uh but now the next line of defense is for the politicians to look at the youth who managed to uh, create that change in the first place and say well done Greta, you're incredible. You're a real inspiration. If only I could be as inspirational as you are right now. If only I could change the world and uh, climate change the way that you have. Um, and you know, these are these are world leaders speaking. They're the ones that like literally control the so American you government. You absolutely can yeah. change it. <laughs> and you're <laughs> like, deciding not to, you know, yeah. whenever like Trudeau turns up to climate marches and you're like, we're protesting at you you're, you're not meant to be down the floor with us or actually at the start of cop 26 it was it was quite funny but obviously with a depressing twist um at the very start of the cop all of the nations lined up and they grabbed a coin and they threw it into the wishing well and they were like please somebody do something about climate change <laughs> so yeah the, the, their next line of defense is uh youth washing for one thing uh you know saying look how well the youth have done and leaving it there 
and then um yeah just agreeing that it's a very very dire problem and then not Absolutely. doing anything about yeah. it <laughs> and uh, yeah so that now now people are starting to pick up on that as well so as i said we had so many targeted you know protests and strikes it's like this is the specific thing that you had written in the actual draft that you had like you know written with official governmental wording in the last cop and you didn't follow through on it and then they pointed this politician or another and they're like this do this something. is your problem you said you would do this so now it's becoming a little more difficult for them to you know do absolutely nothing and just talk about how dire the whole situation is because people aren't letting them they're yes, holding exactly. them accountable now yeah, yeah exactly so it's still um yeah i feel like if if the people like sleep for a moment it's still exactly what the politicians are going to do um but yeah it's becoming increasingly more difficult to do that um, but of course, they have more and more lines of defenses before they actually do something about climate change, which is meaningful. Um, so now, of course, they um, have gotten back together with their business buddies um, hmm. and they have a lot of ways of, uh, you know, again, greenwashing with like kind of false solutions and capitalistic approaches. So now it's almost like um, a lot of the politicians are you know, accepting that climate change is real and that it's a brilliant business opportunity to make lots of money. Um, even a, a bit like in that show, uh, the movie, I don't know if you've seen it, like uh, Don't Look Up. Yeah, I saw it a couple of weeks ago, actually. It was amazing. I really liked it, but it was such a good commentary on like, like how the world is run, literally. It was just really frustrating to watch, but also like a good movie. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I had to watch it in like two parts because I just, I got so frustrated at one point. <laughs> I was really enjoying it and it was quite funny, but I was just like, man, this this hits too Literally. close to home. And it sucks because Meryl Streep is like the bad guy and I love Meryl Streep. And I was like, <laughs> no, Meryl Streep, stop. <laughs> Meryl Streep ruined forever. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like literally like the parallels there that were drawn were actually very good. Um, obviously, it couldn't include anything, uh, everything like the fact that they would have caused the comet in the first place and profited off that to begin with and that the, you know, least wealthy would be the most affected and all that. But what they did really capture is this thing where, you know, they were maybe on track for solving something and then they turned around all the rockets and they're like, hey, maybe we can make money from this. I feel like that's what a lot of politicians are doing with climate change now as well, where they're making, you know, more investments into like uh, technologies uh, and they're kind of uh, many businesses are using it to advertise to you again, this thing they're trying to, yeah, yeah, they're trying to reignite the whole carbon footprint thing. And they're like, we made this beautiful tote bag for you. It's made from recycled straws that would have otherwise been in the turtles noses, you know, yeah. and everyone buys them. But yeah, also just, you know, the larger companies and, um, you know, the, the the real billionaires out there like Elon Musk um, and Bill Gates. So Bill Gates pledged uh, like billions uh, to the climate again during this COP. And, you know, that that is a really good thing. Yeah. But at the same time, um, it's, first of all, a dire situation that we need to rely on billionaires to decide to give us some of the crumbs um, <laughs> that have fallen from their wallets in order to like solve the crisis. But also I feel like although a lot of people are very positive about this, a lot of the money which he has given to climate change or especially like to the projects, for example, that, you know, Elon Musk, for example, would be looking into they're again just treating it more like a business opportunity. How can they make, you know, the, the, the most money out of it? Yeah. yeah, instead of coming up with like community solutions, trying to reduce aviation, trying to reduce, uh, like phase out fossil fuels, you know, it's, it's so simple, like the things that need to be done. Um, and then they're beating around the bush with all these other Absolutely. things, which kind of sound wonderful. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, but I think that's, if you think back to where we were, as I said, 10 years ago, and that's not that long ago, even five years ago, I think, that is like a massive improvement. The fact that, you know, almost every single country in the world now is on board that climate change is a problem and it's going to be affecting everyone and that they are kind of throwing money, not as much as we would like, but they are, you know, putting money into the problem is a really positive thing. But just, I think that the next steps are that, yeah, unfortunately, although like responsibility shouldn't have to just lie with like the general public and like every civilian who has their own worries, um, their own you know life that they need to worry about it has come down to like just the citizens on the street who yeah. need to yeah who need to hold people accountable and um, so yeah it means a lot of 
reading the news, scrutinizing what your government is up to, going to protests, voting in elections. Um, but yeah, I, I a lot of what I th- think I've said uh, so far has been quite pessimistic. But at the same time, there's always going to be that optimistic twist that I feel like more power is being given to the people. Um, not given, we're taking it. But <laughs> I believe that the motivation is there and that the place that we are with politics right now is a lot better than it was in the past. So yeah, I'd say those are probably my main reflections on COP. Thank you so much. And thank you for everything that you've taught us about COP26 and about what to do for the climate. Um, Before we go on to the song, I'd like to ask you to stay for the next hour because Mustard for Climate has some exciting news at the end that I would like to share. And until then, we will be listening to Elahi by Rijit Singh. Hey, 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 hey,